So people are going to judge you. They're going to misunderstand you. They're going to gossip about you. But I, I encourage people to really be strong-willed to, to know that their opinions don't matter. Their opinions are not your problem. No matter what is said or done, do not doubt your worth. Like I said, if you're not an athlete and you don't know what it's like to, to, to deal with the pressures, and I know we have a responsibility as athlete to deal with what's gonna come with it you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, but every athlete is different. No two people are the same or alike, and, and that's why you see some people are able to really uh, rise above and beyond um, there are circumstances and there are some people that can't handle it, but that doesn't mean that they can't be great. They just have to approach it and deal with it the way that they feel uh, needed. What would you say to somebody who's feeling misunderstood right now and just needs to find a way to keep going? At some point in life, we're all going to struggle. And I think that's what you're getting to. We're always, we're gonna be confronted with something. Um, those roadblocks can, can, can come in different forms. It can be, uh, it can be your own mental roadblocks. It could be uh, just outside criticism. It could be media. It could be anything. It could be personal problems. It could be family problems. Um, it could be something as simple as you driving, you know, uh, you're on a path and you're feeling good and you're driving somewhere and you, you get a flat tire. Um, I mean, anything can, can, can trigger you and to try to get you off track. Those are struggles. Um, and then just from an athletic standpoint, um, that's going to happen. Um, and it's always, it, it's, it's really how you respond to it. Um, I'm not saying anything that nobody else has said, especially that has become successful, whether it's, it's in business, uh, personal, uh, it's in sports. And then we talk about just the criticism, and, and especially if you're an athlete, and I know mental health and awareness that's big now think about what Naomi Osaka uh, has gone through um, look at you know obviously with Shikara Richardson um, we don't know how that's going to affect her right now um, there's so many people Kevin Love I mean there's there's so many, so many athletes that are struggling with mental health um, that are you know some some athletes are brave enough to talk about it but there's I guarantee you there's a number of athletes that don't have they don't have that that strength to to come forward. They're just going to try to deal with it uh, how they feel to, to deal with it. Um, but at the end of the day, um, just just don't give up. That's what I would say. And especially with these uh, with these athletes, especially you know, uh, Naomi Osaka, um, you know, I, I I think I chimed in. I commented on once I you know heard what they did to her. Um, um, with her dealing with the media and how she approached it, um, they don't know how she feels and i think i think instead of them rejecting her i think they should embrace her uh, embrace her because i think the, the tennis world um they 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 i guess the, the committee i guess that ruled her or wanted to find her for whatever and which caused her to withdraw uh, from that tournament i think at the end of the day the tennis world the fans they missed out more than anything and for obviously for naomi uh, naomi it wasn't about money because clearly, like I said, she won. She had won that first match. And so, yeah, she could have extended or she could have dealt with it. But obviously her mental health is more important than, a, than, than the dollar. And I think that's priceless. And so people are going to judge you. They're going to misunderstand you. They're going to gossip about you. But I, I encourage people to really be strong-willed to, to know that their opinions don't matter. Uh, their opinions are not your problem, no matter what is said or done. 
Do not doubt your worth. And I think that's what Naomi has done. I think obviously with the outpour of support, uh, I think it reinforced um, to her and reiterated that she made the right decision. And I think once everybody, again, uh, like I said, if you're not an athlete and you don't know what it's like to, to, to deal with the pressures, and I know we have a responsibility that ability as athlete to deal with what's gonna come with it, you know, on a day-to-day day basis, but every athlete is different. Um, no two people are the same or alike. And, and that's why you see some people are able to really uh, rise above and beyond um, their circumstances. And there are some people that can't handle it, but that doesn't mean that they can't be great. They just have to approach it and deal with it the way that they feel uh, needed. Terrell, I think that's really powerful. Like I think when I think about your legacy, you know, there's the game and we've got the highlights. I mean, we got our popcorn ready. We saw what you did. But I think that this message that, that just, um, you know, that idea of when we don't necessarily understand someone, we can reject them or accept them. And I think that that message right now, boy, does that need to come through loud and clear. And I think I appreciate you bringing it up. When did you start to believe in the impossible? When did you feel like I got a shot at this NFL thing? When did that really take hold of you? I didn't really know, honestly. Probably like once I got to the National Football League, once I got drafted coming out of college, I was drafted in the third round, 89th pick. I remember being drafted by the Niners uh, my first year, um, going into going into training camp. We were in Rockland, and that's where, like I said, I, I was there with, you know, I played with, you know, a, a very storied franchise in the Niners. Um, you think about uh, Super Bowl championships at that time, I think, what, what five championships, um, playing with the great uh, Steve Young. Um, prior to that, um, they had Joe Montana, obviously Jerry Rice. My rookie year, they were coached by George Seifert, uh, who's obviously a Hall of Fame great coach uh, as well. And so for me, it was a bit overwhelming. But as I uh, progressed throughout training camp and training camp probably that was probably one of the hardest things that you know I had gone through at that time uh, in comparison to the training camps that are now uh, being implemented we had two a days and it was you know out in Rockland it was it averaged probably like probably like 100 to 105 degrees uh, every day so just to just think about just doing that twice a day um, with maybe a few hours a couple of hours of sleep in between those practices um, it was very, very tough. It was brutal. Um, I remember those days. Um, but that was where I think my character, I think a lot of character was built. Because again, at that age, uh, being, a, being a young guy, being a rookie, um, seeing guys as training camp progressed week by week. And then as they began to make cuts um, as the season um, uh, approached, um, you saw guys get cut left and right. And so I, I saw guys that were drafted, free agents that had come in. They were coming and going every day. Um, and I felt like I was no different or better than any of those guys that were getting cut. When I saw guys that were, you know, that I felt was better than me get cut. Um, yeah, it, it, it made for a very intense and overwhelming environment for me. So um, I just kept pressing and pressing and uh, just kept forging uh, ahead and, and things started to work out for me um, as the season approached. And uh, my coaches kind of just pulled me to the side because there were some days where I kind of hit the wall. Um, I struggled, you know, uh, catching the ball, remembering routes, um, the playbook with the Niners. I mean, it looked like, I, I think I remember telling the reporter, it, was, it, it reminded me of a cookbook, uh, very uh, con considering what I came from uh, with a couple of pages 
uh, of my playbook in, in Chattanooga. So uh, it was very, very extensive. extensive. Uh, the terminology was very uh, confusing at times, um, challenging at times. But uh, like I said, at the end of the day, uh, I ended up uh, getting through it. And my coaches, they helped me through it. They saw the potential, um, understanding that when I came out, um, they I had the prototypical body of some of the receivers that they've had uh, there in San Francisco. Prior to me being there, they had some great receivers aside from Jerry Rice. They had John Taylor. They had, I think, Mike Sherrard um, the year uh, before I got drafted. They had the, the number one receiver that played at UCLA. They drafted him uh, first pick, I think, in 95, J.J. Stokes. And so these are the type of guys that I had to, to learn from. Can you walk us into that Super Bowl? Because I, I think this is where, in some ways, you're misunderstood. I think the selflessness of the way you dedicate yourself to your game, to your team, to your teammates, uh, to big moments. Can you walk us into what it took to play essentially on a broken leg five weeks after getting pins in it? To me, one of the iconic moments that I can remember in sports. What was that time like for you? It's something that I've had to adjust to as I... uh, as I guess I was on my path to stardom. And I had two receiver coaches, three receiver coaches um, throughout the course of my career uh, that were very, very instrumental and really just pushing me really kind of beyond the limits of what they thought I could become. They saw it and sometimes even I had doubt that I could be, you know, considered at the end of the day, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Like I played with Jerry Rice, you know, coming out of Chattanooga in, in, in 96, you know, third round, you know, 89th pick. I had no idea at the end of the day, you know, 15 years later that I would be second all time, second, third all time, um, you know, in statistics um, behind, like I said, the greatest of all time. When I, there were so many guys uh, that played at, you know, uh, power five schools, you know, definitely uh, first, second round guys that got drafted before me. Uh, honestly, I really, I really had no idea. Um, which, you know, like I said, when you think about some of the things that I've accomplished, um, you know, the Super Bowl was one of those one of those games. I said, you know, obviously to play in the Super Bowl, um, that's a big accomplishment in itself. Um, it wasn't the Super Bowl that I envisioned considering um, the injury that I had sustained probably six and a half, seven weeks prior to the Super Bowl when um, a lot of people, even, you know, doctors across the country um, basically said that there was no way I would have played in that Super Bowl Honestly, I mean, you have had to have a relentless pursuit uh, of really just perfection, greatness. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think anybody that wants to become or be do something, do something in life. Obviously, it boils down to my three Ds: desire, dedication, and discipline. But at the end of the day, the essence of what I just said: you have to be addicted to bettering yourself. Honestly, be addicted to bettering yourself, not for anybody else. Uh, or anything else, you have to be addicted to bettering yourself if you want to achieve the level of success that you ultimately want to uh, achieve.